Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Opening day of the MLB season. It is March 28th, 2019. Baseball takes center stage right now. And baseball will be the focus of the early part of the Mike Abadir show this week. We'll talk a little Game of Thrones after. We'll update you on the uh, the Sweet 16 and what the Mike Abadir show group looks like on ESPN. But Mike, I know you're a huge baseball fan and your team is just getting ready to uh, to get started. So are you excited? The reigning World Series champions. You have to be kind of on your high horse right now. Yeah, you know, I was a pretty squeaky you know, clean type of student in high school. And I went to a Catholic school and they're real strict about attendance and stuff. But this was the one day of the year that always I'd always play hooky. hooky. Always, yeah. a man. Skippy, little skippy. And I still have that same excitement for opening day baseball. It's I love crazy. it. Obviously, obviously, when you're you're a fan of, of teams that were, uh, you know, represented the World Series last year, you being a Dodger fan, being, me being your Red Sox fan, a lot more excitement than in some, than other places. But let's face it, this is the time of year where everybody starts off zero and zero and has a chance. And uh, outside of maybe I don't know five teams, I think anybody has everybody else has a chance to get a wild card spot this year. And so what's, what's great about baseball opening day in particular? It's kind of similar to the days that I, my favorite sports days in that. I want when it's some bit day when it's one of the sports big days and they have center stage. I want it to be an all day thing. I want yes. all of it, you know. So yep. whether it be a big day of racing, uh, you know, in the Breeders' Cup days or the the Derby and the Oaks, or whether it be like the March, the first couple of days of March Madness, that Friday, those Thursday Friday where you have sixteen games all day long going on, or baseball, even the uh, the like the first day of the of the playoff games when you have like three or four games kind of spread out throughout the day. NFL, those first couple weekends are, are like that. And NFL Sundays are almost really all like that now with the way the games are spread out. You have games and the next tier of games and then the ones later in the day. So for me, for my fan experience, I always love when a sport is just kicks it up, kicks it off like this or has a really big day where just everyone's watching baseball. Everyone's talking baseball Got baseball on every channel. And, and it's funny because, you know, it's college basketball coming on a little later tonight. So um, really, really big sports day in general. Just a, a lot uh, going on for uh, for the baseball fans. Yeah, I really hated it when they had – they tinkered with that a little bit, right? Where, yeah, where they had like one like, game on, on Sunday, Sunday night. And then they yeah, kind of and then a Monday, couple on Monday. And, and it's like it, – Everyone, yeah, we gotta have everyone getting started at the same time. You know that it's just so much. It's so much better that way when you just have basically a full slate of games going. You know, I think there's a couple teams that are aren't gonna be playing. You know, that that have traveled and back and forth, so they've already kind of they already have a game on everyone, and they won't be playing tomorrow and back to back. But it's just it's so great when when you get started. And Mike, nice uh, just one game so far. Before my Dodgers, a great star man. They uh, eight home runs. When a, uh, with a 12-run outburst, and what's crazy is this is a team who has started to show their their depth, and I think they'll be a good team, and we're going to go through our predictions. Uh, I think they'll be a really good team again this year. But they were actually basically starting their fourth pitcher as their opening day starter. 
because Kershaw is probably going to be a few weeks. They're just taking it really slow with him. He's had a couple issues, and it's just like no real, no real reason to ramp him up. I think they're they're kind of doing the same thing with Walker Bueller. He's supposed to start on Saturday, so they would have been it would have been Kershaw and then Bueller, and then Rich Hill was actually supposed to start opening day, and then he recently came up with a small injury, so they went to the number four Ryu, who was just excellent, and it, it just it shows that they're a team that. Um, even though they they haven't really been able to get over the hump and win the World Series, getting their back-to-back years is definitely a feat. And I think they're going to be a team that I expect to be in the playoffs. And what we've seen today with Arizona, I, I just don't think it's going to be a very strong NL West. No, I don't think so either. Although I think that the Padres are much approved, and we'll talk about that sure. a little bit more when yeah. we do our predictions. But yeah, I, I agree with you, by the way, in that um, to me, the big news you knew that the Dodgers are capable of, of bashing. So that's, you know, they've been amongst the home run leaders, what, four years in a row, three years in a row, something like that, whatever it is, or at least top three. The outing that Ryu gave them today, I think, is what gives Dodger fans reason to be excited because yeah. when you're going six six innings, eight strikeouts, four hits, no walks, and uh, it's a triumphant opening day win like that, I think you could exhale a little bit uh, because I actually have the Dodgers pegged as a wild card team, and I'll give my reasons for that, but... They're mainly for what you just kind of said, which is, and by the way, quick pet peeve that I have to share. I hate it when any prognosticator says, well, but for injuries or if they don't have, if they stay healthy or, well, no kidding. Any you know, team. that's for like every that's, team. That's, that's like that for every team. You just can't really predict injuries unless you have a bunch of injury prone players that yes. you know are like your main players you're contributing. Exactly. That's the only time when you can say if these guys stay healthy. Otherwise... And that's what concerns me about the Dodgers with Kershaw and with some of their pitchers. You know, Kershaw in the last few years, you know, it's just that back ailment uh, keeps resurfacing. Um, and that that's the that's the one thing that I think ha- kind of when I was looking at it and I was like, Rockies or Dodgers, Rockies or Dodgers, you know, you can't predict injuries, but you could kind of sense them. And I, I hope that you, the Dodgers can get what, 29, 30 outings out of him, starts out of him. Yeah, I think he'll start. He'll. He, I don't think they should start him before May. I think he'll be. He'll start. Like, so that's about May what on. four four outings. Yeah, I'll probably miss four. And then as far as you know, Rich Hill will be. But but that's what's kind of nice about them and. Um, they're just, you know, you look the rest of their rotation. Okay, Ross Stripling was an all-star. Uh, yeah. Ur- Urias has been projected to be a top-of-the-line rotation guy forever. Maeda is, is is pretty good of a middle, like, number three, four guy, as, as you could ask for. And then a guy that'll come out of the bullpen like we've seen at the end of the year. You know, and and then they have some of the other bullpen pieces that can start. So, yeah, they're, they're actually, I, I was a little more worried I, in, in that, I don't think they're going to necessarily win a hundred games. I, I would actually think that they might slightly be the, be under, which their under was like anywhere between like ninety three to ninety five, depending on where you were looking. I, I think they might be right in like the the low nineties to like right around ninety three. It's because what we've seen and and what I've noticed with the Dodgers now the last couple of years, and I think you'll probably notice it a little bit with the the Red Sox too, is just. Dot didn't happen today for the Dodgers, but there's just not as much of that real sense of urgency early in the year when you're coming off a World Series, you know, especially a win for for your team. So there's probably just going to be a lot of games where, hate to say it, you're just not quite as hungry. We we don't see a lot of teams go back to back just making the World Series in baseball or even like three years in a row. It's just a grind with the with the season. It is, and it's just hard. We see it in basketball with these teams and the Warriors sometimes too. It's just hard to get up 
for all of these games after you've just played such meaningful games. Yeah, and I think that's it's an interesting point you make about the number of wins you're going to need to win that division. And going back the last three years, the Dodgers have been division winners all three years in a row um, with 91 wins and then 104 the year before, last year with 92. So I think that 93 number is probably the magic mark. The, the team that gets to 93 probably wins that division. Could push to 94 and 95. We'll see. But, hey, man, this is a great reminder of how daunting of a task it is to play 162 games in 185 days. It is a it is an absolute grind and um, much respect. You know, and that's why when people talk about shortening the season, I love it at 162, man. I don't know about you, but I say you keep it there. And uh, the only one thing I would say is, there needs to be a greater reward for having the most wins in that league, either AL or NL. Um, I don't know how to spice it up a little bit more, but it needs to be a little bit more rewarding. That's the only thing because home field advantage is so much of a bigger deal. I think in the NFL come January than it is in baseball. That's just okay. my take on it. So, so let's start it and get in some, into uh, some of the predictions that we okay. have. We can, we can start up at the AL East with, with your division, the Boston Red Sox, and the returning champs, and the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Orioles, the Rays. Uh, Orioles, I think, will be the worst team in baseball. Uh, they're not trying to win. They might be under the 40 wins that they they had uh, in the in last year. They 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 are bad. Um, they're they're very very bad, and I, they're not trying to win. They're trying. No, to and by the follow. way, did you see that Vegas has taken a number of bets at two thousand to one odds? I don't think I've ever seen two thousand yeah. to one odds to win a World Series, but that's yeah. what the Orioles are. Yeah, and they're they're just not trying to win. But it's, it, it to me the the Rays are a team that a lot of people are high on this year. They they won ninety games last year, and they're a little bit better. Um, their lineup is a little bit better than they were. They have a nice ace at the top of their rotation. They always seem to find pitchers and develop pitchers out of nowhere too. Uh, they just do a great job. They're just a really well run organization for the kind most. Kind of stealing part. my thunder, man. Oh <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So for me. I think we might get three playoff teams out of this division. I, th- I think the Yankees are going to be a better regular season team just because I think they're going to be a little hungrier. They have a little more pitching this year than they did last year. That really strong lineup, and then their bullpen pieces. And then I think it's going to be Boston and, and probably Tampa. It, for me, it's going to be Tampa as maybe one of the other wildcard teams. But I'm predicting the Yankees to win this division with the, the Red Sox in the playoffs and then possibly the Rays as a third playoff team coming out of this division. Yeah, I've got the Red Sox winning that division. Um, the main thing is the Yankees, to me, it's the same thing I said last year. They seem to still be somewhat of a one-trick pony. I don't know when Severino is going to be back exactly, but um, and Sabathia, you know, pitching. It's all about pitching. Yeah, Boston okay. has it. The Yankees could have it. And by the way, I've got a, a, a sneaky Cy Young Award winner that comes from the New York Yankees this year and in any of the names that I mentioned. I'll save that to postseason awards later on in the show. But for me, Red Sox, and I have what I did this year is I did a W1, W2, W3, meaning wild card one, wild card two, wild card three, when it was so close between W2 and W3 that I couldn't separate them. So I have the Red Sox winning the division, the Yankees taking the wild card in Tampa right there, neck and neck with the Yankees, Rays, and A's to snag wild card spots two or three, neck and neck, followed by the Blue Jays and the Orioles. Yeah, see, I, like the Yankees, just to me, some teams are just built a little bit more for the regular season. And their bullpen depth, they have four guys, five guys that can close games, like legitimately. And so even if their starting pitching isn't quite as strong, they're going to be able to mix and match and go to that pen really early. And I actually like Paxton 
Hap. Like, I like them for a fully a full season. You know, when you get Severino back, that's fine. And you still have Tanaka, who, when he's good, he's he's very good and very solid, very serviceable. So I think they're just going to be a little bit a little bit hungrier to win more games this year. And, yeah, and about uh, that bullpen, by the way, Eno Saris came out with the uh, predictions, kind of like a bold predictions for 2019 season piece on The Athletic. Eno Saris, a frequent guest uh, of the radio show. And he actually make is making the claim that the Yankees bullpen will be the best of all time, yeah, and yeah. he has some uh, some pretty solid uh, statistical evidence to back that. We will see, um, but so, that oh, that's going to be the strong point clearly. So when we move to the NL Central, you you know who I like, which it's a team that I've talked about a couple times. AL Central, yep. or yep. AL Central, yeah. Yep. Um, I like the Twins this year. I think that this is just. A weak division in general. The Tigers, the White Sox, and the Royals are all not that great. And they're, you know, we're seeing the, the it coming over from two baseball with a lot of these teams just tanking, you know, not signing middle tier free agents, using really young players or not kind of MLB talent level players and just trying to kind of give up a season or two um, and, you know, get some of those young players some reps and stockpile some picks, trade some of your assets, stockpile more picks and more young players and just kind of play the lottery and hope that some of them hits. We've seen that happen well with the Cubs and then with the Astros and as teams that were able to do that and, and get real success out of it. And so I, I think this is a bad division. I think the Twins made some moves. And right away, Mike, some of the moves that the Twins made work out on day one. What they need is they need Barrios to take another step and become a true legitimate ace. And I don't see any reason why he can't. I'm a big fan of him. He, he pitched great today. Two hits, no runs, one one walk and 10 strikeouts, and they beat the Cubs on opening day, which, you know, that could be a game down the line for tiebreak. Any of these games when you're playing against the Cubs, the team that you're likely to be chasing are huge. And they got production today from their new acquisitions. It was huge. Marwin Gonzalez and Nelson Cruz. So a couple of those moves that they went out and made in the in the offseason, they've already paid off helping them get a victory uh, right off the bat on opening day. I think the Twins are going to win the division. I think the Indians, is, it's going to be tight between the two of them. But I think because of those bad teams, the Twins will be able to beat up on the Tigers, the White Sox, and the Royals and just hopefully split the games with the Indians. Only team that comes out of this division is going to be the division winner. This is my go out on a big limb prediction. Every year, every year you see a team that seemingly goes from last to first, uh, most years at least. And I think this is the one division where, where it's ripe for it. Uh, Kansas City. They're going to steal 200 bases oh, this quick. year. They're quick. They're going to steal 200 bases this year. They've got a lot of young talent, a lot of guys that people haven't heard of. But, hey, Mondesi. Merrifield, Alberto Mondesi. Yeah, yeah, and I like this Dozier kid. And and Ryan O'Hearn can bash at first base. And they brought Billy Hamilton in as if they didn't have enough speed. And Alex Gordon. I actually think that they're going to produce a lot of runs. They're going to manufacture them. Old school St. Louis Cardinals, old school Kansas City Royals style from the, from the 80s. Um, I think the real question is going to be what can they get out of their pitching? I would, I would love if they were a National League team, you know, yeah. just for the way they play. Yep. Like if they were a National League team, I would absolutely play, like be a little a little higher on them just because of all of, of what you're saying. And that might sometimes that works, you know, in a world where everyone's zigging and trying to mash and you're zagging that that might that might work. And, yeah. and so I don't mind. The, I like the approach that they have, at least is they have. Yeah, I, I do, plan, too. And I think and you don't know. Yeah, and I think um, guys like Jorge Soler and Lucas Duda, you know, they can surprise you with, you know, 15, 18, maybe even 25 home runs. I mean, that was what Jorge Soler was brought here to do. Um, and, and he was just uh, a victim of being in a very busy 
crowded Cubs outfield. Uh, so he was kind of the odd man out. But I think now that he has a home in Kansas City, you know, I think they're I think they're going to produce a lot more runs than people are uh, expecting, and they're going to be an exciting team. That's my long shot. You know, just out of nowhere kind of division winner. Um, I think the Indians. They just lack the firepower to make it, especially with a big injury to uh, Lindor. He's going to be out for a little bit longer now. He's got a hamstring and ankle problems to deal with, and that's not good for a swift-footed player like like Lindor. Um, Twins will be right there for that the next wild card spot, along with the Indians, followed by the Tigers and the White Sox. The the Indians have excellent pitching. I just don't know how good their lineup is this year. Yeah. They they really have nothing in the outfield. I mean, and and, and like zero production. I don't know. That they're yeah, it's like Mickey Brantley's uh, or uh, Michael Brantley. Excuse me, Mickey Brantley's from the eighties. Michael Brantley is like their uh, you know biggest basher from the well, outfield. No, and he's gone. He he's with the Astros now. I didn't even know that. Yeah, so they they have like they lost a lot, and their pitching staff is really only what is is going to keep them in it. And so if they, yeah, I don't know how long that pitching staff will be able to keep them in it or if they'll be able to score enough runs out to the AL West. To me, this list looked like the most obvious division on paper. Everything I looked at has the Astros as the most likely team to make the playoffs, largely because who is in their division and, and how good their team is kind of compared they don't to have any holes for everyone else. They're just a really well, really good, solid team. And the two, two teams that were the surprises of the league last year, the Mariners and the Athletics, you have to think they're going to come back to life just a little bit. And even if they come back a little bit and still have good seasons where they can win like in the low 80s, like these two teams were very, very good. They won a ton of games last year, and I don't think either one of them will. I think Houston wins this division easily. Let me give you some food for thought. I've gone back and looked. Historically speaking, when teams win more games in three consecutive seasons, they usually stay there. Yeah. The A's three years ago won 69, then 75, and then 97. There may be a little bit of a regression, although I think they're actually a better team than they were last year. The regression gets them to maybe 93 wins, and like I said earlier, that'll be competing for that fifth and final wild card, card spot. It'll be a tight race between them and the Rays, for wild cards two and three, I give the nod to the A's. Yeah, I don't. I think there's no shot they win over 85 games. Zero chance. I I just think they're not going to be able to mix and match their pitching staff like they did all year. The teams that do that with the pen, uh, and their pen's not quite as good as it was last year. It just it's you can do it in a series, or you can do it for a few weeks, or for a month, or like kind of towards the end of the season. But I mean, they were getting quality out of like Edwin Jackson and just like really head scratching players. So I just. I, I, I'm you know what convinced me, though? Last week, for uh, those who tuned into the show or didn't, we had uh, Melissa Lockhart. She's yeah. the A's beat writer for the Athletics. And, um, you know, the way she spoke about the, the, this team and, um, you know, her projection of uh, being a surefire 90-win team, you know, I went back and looked at it, and I was like, you know what? Let's just start with a closer. I think they have the probably AL's best closer right now since uh, Diaz went from the Mariners to the Mets. And um, I think their lineup can produce a lot of runs. You know, I think Jerickson Profar is, is kind of due for, you know, finally reaching that, you know, potential that he's kind of displayed with the Rangers for, for several years. And a lot of these guys that people don't know about, like Robbie Grossman and, and Ramon Lariano and even Steve Scotty. I mean, these yeah, guys can these guys good. can bash. They're solid. I just think that's what they'll be, solid. I think they'll be, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. I just think they're going to win. 10 to 12 less games than they won last year, which will put them in like the mid, the mid eighties to just above 
a little bit better than a 500 team. So Fair enough. This, this will be a team that we'll have some fun going back and forth with all throughout the year. But you know what time it is, Mike? It's time for a quick break, and it's actually perfect timing because we just went through the AL. When we come back, we'll jump into the NL. We'll start with the NL East, and I think the next two divisions we're going to talk about very, very competitive. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Moving from the American League into the National League, we're going through baseball predictions for this season. NL East, Mike. This and the NL Central, I think, are the most competitive divisions in that in the NL East, any one of four teams really wouldn't shock me. And I think there's three legitimate cases to win the division. And in the Central, there's five teams that are probably all trying to win games. And that might be the only division where that's actually happening in baseball, where everyone's actually trying to win. So there really might not be any cupcake games. Uh, What do you think about the NL East? This is probably one of my favorite picks of all. New York Mets are going to win this division. I, I say that very nice. confidently, very convincingly. The New York Mets, they've they've done some very underrated things, and I know yeah, they've gotten they a lot of grief uh, for, from 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 their fans. But man, I'm going to tell you, this team is is stacked pitching wise. They made some pretty good moves offensively. I think Cano's still got some, you know, something left in the tank. I think this is the team that's going to win the division. 
Um, the Phillies are going to snag the wild card spot out of this division. I think the Braves played a little bit in over their head last year. I think they got career years from too many guys. I can't see that being replicated. Washington, a lot of young talent, a lot to develop still. And uh, the Marlins uh, are uh, Jeter, you know, Jeter's uh, project that's probably about three to four years away. Yeah, I'm going to pick this uh, with the Nationals on top of the Phillies, on top of the Mets, on top of the Braves. And wow, I wouldn't okay. be shocked if we saw three playoff. I wouldn't like it. We could see maybe two wild cards. Give that to me one more time. Nationals. Nationals, Phillies, Mets, Braves, Marlins is how I pick this division. I'm okay. with you on the Braves. I think they had it. They had a great year last year, but I think that. They overachieved a little bit. They're going to come back to life, and it's just a tougher division. The reason why I like Washington a lot is their pitching is just really going to be really, really good now with the addition of Corbin. And you have so you have a like when you have to go one, two, three, they're not going to have a lot of losing streaks, I feel like. And I think Soto is going to fill a lot of the hole that Harper left. And so I, I think they're still a really good team. The Phillies, the moves that the Phillies made in the offseason. They brought in three all-stars from last year to a team that was actually already pretty good and had some really nice talent already. They added Bryce Harper, Segura, and JT Realmuto to an already solid team. So I think it's going to be— You the know that's Phil- the first time in history, by the way, that a yeah, team that has they brought in three, three all-stars from the year from before? From the year before yeah. and added them. It was just crazy. And uh, that lineup is just going to be very, very deep. They're going to be very interchangeable. Still have a couple question marks about the depth of their pitching staff. But I think at the top, if Arietta bounces back and gives you what he has, and we saw Nola, he had a, a really good year last year. To me, it, this is going to be the Phillies and the Nationals battling it out. Uh, so let I me ask you this bet- though, because if you if you're if you're if your claim is mainly predicated on pitching, so then how do, how does your Nationals pitcher uh, line, pitching lineup stack up with Degrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Mats, and Vargas with the Mets, and then and then they have also have probably the best closer in baseball and Edwin Diaz. Oh, no, I, I don't think the Mets are going to be bad. I just think the Washington at, at the top, I'll take Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg. I think at the top, I, I actually love DeGrom. I have him on my fantasy team. I picked him number one. Um, I'm still a little back and forth on Syndergaard, um, but I they're, they're not going to, I think they're going to be better than most people think. And I, that's why I'm very excited for this division. I don't think it's going to be a runaway by any means. I think there are four solid teams, but the Braves take, take a step back. So I think, uh, yeah, I'll have the Washington Nationals with the pitching, the Phillies, and then the, and then the Mets right behind them. By the way, my rookie of the year uh, in the NL from the New York, he's going to hail from the New York Mets, by the way, and he's going to go a long way in helping them out uh, to win this division. Who's that? Pete Alonzo. Oh yeah, nice. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna. He's to me. He's a twenty home run guy. Shoein. We'll see about the batting average. If his batting average could be above two sixty, and if he can knock in, you know, above eighty RBIs, that's the rookie of the year. Let's move on to the NL Central. This is a team that I'm very high on. Also, um, I will. Not be Homer and, and just immediately say right now, I'm going to pick them to make the World Series. I'm going to pick them over the Dodgers in the uh, in the NL um, to uh, to make the, the World Series, and it's going to be the Cardinals. I think it's a really, really good team this year. They also made a couple r- moves that I, I just love. 
I think their pitching staff is very good. We've talked about some of the young arms that they have on their roster. Uh, there's a guy named Alex Reyes who keep an eye on. They're going to have him kind of in the pen, and they'll maybe use him as a spot start when they need him. Jordan Hicks is very good. They brought in Andrew Miller and their pitching staff with Nicholas. Jack Flaherty is one of those really, really young studs. Uh, Waka, Hudson, Wainwright. I, I like this staff. And then their lineup all the way through. You bring in Goldschmidt, who is going to be my selection for the uh, the MVP this year in the NL. I think he's going to have a monster year in a lineup where he just has a little more production with Matt Carpenter, DeJong, Marcelo Zuna. You have guys like Harrison Bader batting at the bottom of the lineup. I love this Cardinals team this year. I think they're going to be very, very good. This is... Uh... The Astros, we were uh, consensus on in, in the American League, and, and we're going to be in agreement once again in the Central Division with the Cardinals. To me, this is the division winner. The, uh, it's a very good division. Um, I think even yeah. the, the last place team in, in this division is, is not going to be a pushover. No. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you that this is probably the best division in baseball top to bottom. St. Louis Cardinals, though, they just got a little bit more umph. The, the team that's going to be a surprise second to me is the Cincinnati Reds. I actually think their their pitching staff is going to be a top ten pitching staff, and I think they've done um, you know some nice things offensively, bringing those guys in from the Dodgers. Obviously, um, th- that I think they've already and they've always year. had a good lineup already. Yeah, yeah, but just a little bit more, a couple more bats, and yeah. just a couple more arms. They didn't have to be top level arms either. Yeah, and know? I think they're going to have a big uh, surprise year out of their their backup catcher, who's going to end up uh, taking over. I think for. Uh, for uh, you know, a, a, a catcher that they've got that really hasn't met the expectations that I believe that um, that Cincinnati was was expecting with um, uh, Tucker Barnhart, and that's Kurt Casale. I think this guy they got him from the Rays in the middle of last year, and it was a short stretch, but he hit 300. And I think this guy, if he gets more at bats, he could be a really really productive catcher. But I mean, they've got a lot of bashers there, and you know Suarez and Peraza and Winkler and. Jose Iglesias is a good shortstop and Votto. So I think this, obviously, and then, you know, Puig and and I don't know how many at-bats Matt Kemp's going to get. But either way, I think Cincinnati Reds are going to be a very dangerous team. Uh, the Brewers, uh, they're going to be a really good team as well. But I think they miss out on the playoffs, the Cubs, and then followed by the Pirates. So I have the Cubs in fourth place. Um, and then moving on to the West, I think this was a, a tough call for me to make. But I give the edge to the Rockies. And then uh, the, the second wild card. Uh, is going to be the, the Dodgers out of that division. The first wild card being the Phillies. Um, and the Padres are going to play meaningful games in September, and they're going to give all of the National League a run for their money to try to snag that last wild card spot, fall a little bit short, and we're going to round out the, that division with the Giants and Diamondbacks in the last place. The problem that I have with the and – and I don't think the Dodgers are going to be, like I said, I think they'll win in that 90 90- – Three, and I think that'll probably be good enough to win the division by you know three or four games. Probably over, most likely over the Rockies. We saw um, Arizona didn't play well today, and that's just one game. But I, I don't think they're going to be very good this year, and uh, the Giants are not going to be very good this year. And and all word is coming out that they're going to likely trade Bumgarner at some point throughout the year and just kind of maybe I think go, they kind of have to, right? Yeah, you know, and they have um, some of the the old ownership from the Dodgers up there now, and we know that the way that they kind of play is. Is the way that the Rays used to play and just kind of they will get young, get picks, get assets, build their farm system and and try to keep their, you know, their payroll a little bit lower. And so they're going to get rid of, I think, some of their their bigger contracts in, in this year. So to me, I just think the Dodgers are just deeper. You know, they the 
they didn't really make any. They got Pollock, who was a nice move. They got rid of Puig and Kemp and Wood, and they they had some losses, but they're pretty pretty close to the same team when you figure that Corey Seager is kind of coming back and filling the role that Machado had for half of the year. And Seager, when he's right, is a, a really really good top tier yeah. player. So I I just. I think the Dodgers are going to be a little bit better than the Rockies. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Rockies battling for a wild card. The main concern I had with the Rockies is that they have a couple of very good young pitchers that had excellent gears last year, and I always have a tough time wondering if they can hold up in Colorado. You know, a guy like Freeland and Marquez, Tyler Anderson even. Like those two, the top two in particular, very, very good, and they're great on the road. But at sometimes it's just when you get beat up a little bit at home, sometimes it's a little deflating. So that that'll always be the key for them is um, do they have enough pitching? Their pen last year blew a lot of games, but they're they're a pretty well built team. I don't really have a, a ton of knocks on them. I just think the Dodgers are going to be a little bit better. And yeah, I, I think, I think the they're like I hear you. I mean, I think you have to be really mentally strong to be able to pitch in Colorado. Yeah. Um, I know they've done as much as they could do with the fences, with the air, with you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. But at the end of the day, that's got to take a little bit of a toll on you. I, I, I agree with you there. I just think that um, that core of that lineup, man, is just lethal with Ornato Story and Blackman. Desmond can bash, obviously, same with David Dahl. But Daniel Murphy, full year in Colorado. Very interested to see what that's going to do for the rest of this lineup. Um, and uh, let's face it, Dodgers... They didn't show any World Series hangover today. No. But, um, you know, but it's I, really no, I, tough it's real. to go it's to the real. World Series. No, it's very, years. It's very yeah. real. We saw the Dodgers started 10 games under 500 last year through 40 games. They were like yep. six, 16 and 25. So, I, again, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Dodgers have a slow start to the season again and then start to kind of turn it on and flip the switch. Like, they've they've done, crazily enough, six years in a row now winning the NL and uh, West. So, um They'll try to do it again this year, and I think they'll just slightly be better than the Rockies. So for me, um, the division winners in the NL, rolling through one more time, I think it's going to be the Dodgers winning the uh, the NL West. I think it's going to be the Cardinals winning the NL Central. I think it's going to be the Nationals winning the NL East. I think the Phillies will be wild card one. I'll have the Rockies and the Brewers right there, you know, with the Cubs not far behind them. And, okay. and you know, that that's, you know, the Mets, like I said, the Mets are going to be probably in it till late. We'll see if their pitching can hold up. I like the moves that the Mets made. I just think that the East and, and Central are just the two toughest divisions in baseball. You're just going to have to be up and ready to go a lot because you're going to have playing, playing a lot of competitive ga- games against competitive teams. Agreed. So give me an ALCS, an NLCS, a World Series, and a World Series winner, and then we'll move on to postseason awards. American League CS. I think Boston versus the Astros. I'll take the Astros, and in the NL or in the NLCS, it's going to be Dodgers versus the Cardinals, and then I'll take the Cardinals. So I'm taking Astros versus the Cardinals, and I'll go. I'll I'll go against the homer for this. <laughs> ALCS Red Sox Astros. Agree with you, and um, I, I just think that the Red Sox don't have any holes. I know a lot of people want to try to poke uh, some holes into their bullpen and they didn't bring Kimbrell back who, who got the job done, but was a heart attack for, uh, for about a month there. Um, somehow it all worked out, but I think that and they Kelly. have and Kelly yeah, and Kelly too. Um, Dave Dombrowski is, is one of those general managers that is so obsessed with winning I think the closer position, you could fill it mid-year if need be. 
There's always going to be a team, you know, in the last few years it was, you know, the Padres or whomever, right? That um, th- that's got a closer that's that's doing really well on a poor team. You'll pick you'll pick him up if if need be, and uh, that'll that'll shore up the uh, bullpen if if the Red Sox have any problems. Red Sox will win the American League. Let's go to the National League. I'm going to say the New York Mets and the Cardinals in the NLCS. The Mets at the World's, you know, uh, win the NL. Red Sox Mets 86 rematch with the Red Sox getting the revenge over the New York Mets. Okay, that's definitely out there. That's definitely out there. Uh, yep. It's a little, yeah. Uh, I'm 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 surprised to be honest. I'm not surprised with the Red Sox one, honestly. But I I just think like I see that that some of the positives and I the the main worry was for me the Dodgers. I felt like two years ago when they lost in Game Seven to the Astros and they won all those games in the regular season. Like that was the year that felt like they were going to win the World Series to me as the fan. Like everything was going well for you most of the year. Like you win, you come back, you win. Like every player that you put in your lineup mashes. Like every move that the managers make just worked. And then we fell short and lose in in game seven. And I'm just worried that for the Red Sox, just so many things went right last year. So many guys, especially – in the late part of the season and through the playoffs. And uh, in, in particular, that bullpen from Evaldi to Kelly to, you know, Kimbrell pitching the last um, to um, Sale pitching the last out of the World Series. Just so many things had to go right. I like Cora, and I think because he's such a good coach, he'll always get your team back in the mix. I just yeah, don't here's know the thing. I mean, let's just say they the even have, there this year. Here's the crazy thing. Let's just say they had a 10-game regression from last year. They're a 98-win team. Yeah, they I had think, a 15 game regression. They're still a 93 no, win and team. That's, that's what I think. I think they're going to be right, exa- like almost exactly where the Dodgers are. I think they're going to win 93 to 96 games. I think the Yankees will probably win 100 because they're just more of a, to me, a regular season team. They have a little bit. De- I, like when the games tighten up, that's when I worry more about the Yankees. When you can really attack them in a playoff series, you know, sure. and you can really go after their and, and like and steal that base and, the and their weaknesses inning. and things yeah. like that, you know, and you can really go after Stanton and Judge and kind of, you know, you know, they're all of a sudden they're zero for six and now they're struggling and that that doesn't happen quite as much during the regular season. And I think that they're just a, deep to me. They, I think they win the most games in the regular season, but I don't think they're going to be there at the end. Um, I think it's going to be the Astros and the Cardinals, and uh, and I'll take the Cardinals to win the whole thing this year. Hey, I like it, man. I can't. I can't argue with anything that you said. And and in baseball, look, you just have to get into that postseason tournament and see what happens. So nothing, nothing would surprise me in baseball, and that's the no. beauty of it, you know. Yeah. So hey, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back and give our postseason award winners, and then we'll talk some Game of Thrones for the uh, third out of five of our Game of Thrones series. We will be right back. Please stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Who's going to be the uh, MVPs, Mike? Give me some of your, uh, your season award winners. Yeah, I'd start with American League and MVP. I'm going to give you, uh, I wasn't sure to go top three, top five. I just, uh, my order was Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Alex Bregman. Okay. Okay. I'm actually going to go Altuve. I think he has a bounce back here. He was injured last year and he missed a ton of games. He never does. I think he's just going to have a monster year this year. I think in the NL, it's going to be Goldschmidt. I love the move for him there to, uh, to St. Louis. And in the AL, I think the Cy Young winner is going to be Berrios. I'm going to go. I think he's just going to take that next step. I really like him, and I need that for, you know, they need something like that. Minnesota does if they're going to win the division. And uh, how, how about you for your uh, uh, your AL Cy Young? AL Cy Young, James Paxton. Nice. New York Yankees. Yeah, this guy is like, dude, he's, nobody's heard of him because he's, 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 you know, played in Seattle for the last few years and, and these games are, uh, you know, late and there wasn't, it wasn't a bad team, but it wasn't like a sexy winning team or anything like that, man. But I'm telling you with the amount of runs that the Yankees are going to put up, this guy's going to win like 18 to, to 24 games. As crazy as that sounds. Um, so I got, I went Paxton Verlander, Trevor Bauer. Those are my top three. And I'll, I agree with you. Goldschmidt MVP. I think this is the exact thing he needed was change of scenery the guy's about as consistent as can be. You just look oh, at his yeah. numbers year in, year out. And, you know, for a slugger to be able to bat 300 year in, year out and hit 30 home runs and he's a shoe in for 100 RBIs on a team like the Cards, you know, that's the MVP. But, uh, but I have a close second as Javier Baez. The guy's only 26 years old, does amazing things. Um, Nolan Arenado, third. Freeman, I think, is going to be a, a yeah, distant well, Arenado fourth. is always in the mix, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cy Young. Um, if Carlos Martinez can get healthy, get healthy, he's my dark horse guy. Uh, otherwise, I go Nola, Scherzer, and uh, and your boy Miles Mikolas. 
Oh, there you Cardinals. go. Well, we're mentioning. So, so there's so there's two guys. So, so there's two Cardinals guys. I think we're gonna have really good seasons. Martinez okay. and uh, and Michaelos. And how about my dark horse? And the only reason why I wouldn't tell you to like bet on him is because I think with some of the young guys, they may not get as many innings, mm-hmm. and they take care of him as Flaherty. I think okay. he's gonna have yeah, a monster like year, Jack Flaherty. So sure. I think he, he's a wild card. But the other top two, I think, are going to have really good years. And I think they're just at the top of their game right now. Are and I think that's why we, we each have them as a division winner, right? Because yeah. they, they have some really good arms. We, with those arms, and then you have Waka and Wainwright just at the back of your rotation. If you get anything. Yeah, those are almost those are like my like distant fourth and five, which is height. crazy because they're both that's really all. good pitchers. You know, yeah. just just a little veteran presence. And, and Waka can be very good. And, through, and then I mentioned like another guy like Alex Reyes, who's there in the pen with Miller, Hicks, just good young arms there. I love St. Hicks. Louis, in St. Louis, yeah. So, we were texting um, about him the other week, yep. Yeah, so big um, – Big uh, big hopes for St. Louis this year for the both of us. We think they're going to have a great, great year. Ready to make the transition from baseball over to Game of Thrones? How about Rookies of the Year? Did you, oh, you uh, know take... what? I didn't, I didn't put – go ahead. I didn't really put Rookies of the Year down, but go ahead. I, okay. I, tell yeah, us American League, I got Eloy Jimenez. Okay, good. Vlad man. Jr., depending on oh, when Vlad he gets called gets up. up. Yeah. Justice Sheffield. Uh, and, and, and Richie Martin is my dark horse guy from the Baltimore Orioles. He was a, a Rule 5 guy that the uh, Orioles picked up from the A's. The guy's got a crazy good glove. I mean, maybe not Ozzy Smith glove, but I mean, he's he's pretty darn good. If the guy can hit a little bit, you know, he could be kind of like a a lone bright spot for the Orioles. Uh, moving to the NL, I already gave that out. Peter Alonso for the New York yep. Mets. Uh, Victor Robles for your national your nationals your division winner. Hope yep. he steals a ton of bases. Yep. Uh, Tatis Jr. Uh, he already started off uh, the first two at bats today base hits. It's not why I have him there because I think he's a great talent and and another Padre. Depending on how many at bats he can get, is their catcher Francisco Mejia. So those those round up my uh, my top four rookies of the year. So it should be a great season and. Um, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm loving the 2019 start already, and we're only one day, and not even a full day in yet. So, yeah, let's shift the shift the combo to Game of Thrones, man. Battles, Let's talk about these warriors. Battles and warriors. So we've seen some incredible battles, like like one on one. Like everybody, for the most part, has been involved in some sort of a fight, or where they were someone in in, in a battle in some sense. And Mike, there is the the rumor. I read an article on IndieWire about the Game of Thrones, the massive season eight battle episode that people have all been talking about. Um, the production spent 55 days filming the battle for one episode. They spent 26 days filming the Battle of the Bastards. So they spent more than two times as much time filming this scene, a, a scene or a battle that's going to basically have like all of the major characters in and it. And I heard so that there was like crying and, and oh, sleepless were, nights and oh, all through the night. It was it was nights. They were all night shoots. 11 weeks of night shoots. The most unpleasant experience I've ever had. That was from the hound. That wasn't, you know, that was from he said yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, he doesn't he doesn't prays, look like a softy. Everybody prays they never have to do this again. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, the hound doesn't look like a softy, man. No, you know, you know, and you hear you heard their quotes and how. So we get, we're going to even have a battle bigger than all of these incredible battles we've seen so far. But for me, I'm going to give my number one, um, and it was the Battle of Blackwater. Tyrion, man, his smarts, just everything, seeing Joffrey, cowardly Joffrey, Tyrion, like the stud, he's just the man, his plan, I I love that battle. That was a great battle. Uh, 
you know, and I guess depending on how broadly you want to expand the definition of battle, my there was a one-on-one battle, and I mentioned this in last week's show, and it involved Samuel Tarley figuring out what to do with the dragon yeah. glass. Yeah. I think that to me is 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 a battle one-on-one you sure. know, of nature, and I think that was that one is uh, ultimately going to dictate the the fate right of uh, of of you know the the realm right. I mean. I don't know how much they didn't really get into. They started mining for dragon glass, right? When they when they finally got uh, Daenerys to agree to allow um, Jon Snow to start mining, but we never really found out how far they got A and lot. how much they yeah. got and how do you transport it ships wise and all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of curious. They don't really plant seeds without develop developing them later on. Sure. So I think yeah. this dragon glass thing is 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 going to be big, right? Because you're not going to be able to win solely with two dragons. And if this battle is as epic as they're making it out to seem, the one that you just described, then uh, I think that dragon glass is going to have to play a big part of it, right? Yep. And hand to hand combat, that the, type of thing. The one that everyone kind of talks about is the Battle of the Bastards, sure. where we that was just epic. Where it was epic. And by the way, were, were you kind of like, like, man, why don't you zigzag a little bit when they first started off with... Uh, yeah, with, when he's running. <laughs> the, the young Stark. With the young Stark, running. man. I'm like, zigzag, yeah. do something, man. Don't get hit by that arrow, dude. Yeah, uh, unfortunate. You always got to do the zigging and the zagging. You can't run straight. And then we saw, you know, Sansa come in with uh, Littlefinger and, and save the day. And just the, like, the, the battle scenes in this show are just so incredible. And sure. what I love is just reading through these articles and stuff. And they talk about how they take pride in watching Lord of the Rings and some of the other shows, uh, movies and shows that have had really epic battle scenes and they take things that they like. And, you know, and then maybe we would have do this a little bit differently. And uh, the battle of the bastards was incredible because what was nice is it, it spelled the end for, I think the man who could easily battle with, Probably like three to five people that I have on my list of the most evil character in Ramsey. Game of Thrones, and that's Ramsey. Yeah, Ramsey Bolton. He's right on that short list. I think uh, he might be number one. Did you hear, by the way, that they what we saw in terms of his ultimate demise uh, in in the, uh, with the with the dogs attacking him? Did you read that they actually recorded something else and they didn't let us see it? They didn't release it because it was that vicious. God, it was that, oh. oh so, that yeah, so Fuck, they left a lot to our imagination because you get to see one kind of attack his crotch, but you didn't get to see a whole lot else. I think one in his face or something like that. Um, they turned to Sansa. They turned, you know, but we never really got to see exactly, you know, a lot of it was left to the imagination, but apparently they had, had re-recorded that because of how nasty it was. But it was pretty funny, though, before the dogs were unleashed. Remember, he's kind of a little bit cocky and saying, like, these dogs won't attack me. They obey my commands and that yeah, type of thing. I but know. So when she first walks in there, he's like, Sansa. Sansa. Yep. Hello, Sansa. Like that. And just when she when she finally gets him and she walks away with a little tiny grin that's that, that emerges, that was a very fulfilling ending to Ramsey Bolton. I wouldn't have mind seeing maybe like a limb or two getting ripped apart, but he's in the movie, uh, the, the dirt, the Motley crew movie on Netflix. Ramsey. Is he really? By the way, it's always funny for me when I see these, uh, like, Little Out Finger, of Game of Thrones, yeah. yeah. Little Finger was in the uh, in the Fred, Freddie Mercury movie. Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah. That's it's great pretty stuff. funny when you see these guys elsewhere. I'm like, dude, what's Little Finger doing here? He better be sneaky and slimy and try to double cross a uh, queen. Couple, couple other quick <laughs> ones to mention, as we only have about five minutes or so left. I think 
um, the Battle of Castle Black, the Battle of the Gold Road and the Fields of Fire. That was one of the more recent ones with Danny with the dragon, with Braun shooting the crossbow, Jamie's going at Danny trying to kill her, and there's just a lot happening. It's what's what's awesome is that as these battles now, as the series is getting ready to end, these battles are becoming more and more important because now we're seeing so many of these major characters intersecting, and we didn't quite see that in the earlier seasons. Yeah, and you got to see, I think, um, first of all, when Jamie Lannister lost his hand, and I don't remember if I said this on the air or not, or to you uh, just uh, in private, but when he lost his hand is when he started finding his heart. Right. And so we see this progression of, of Jamie Lannister Com- contrasted to the very first episode or the very first season. Maybe it's episode one or two, um, you know, when uh, when he pushes uh, Bran out, out, out the out the window in that tower and paralyzes him. Compare that guy to who we had in the very last episode of season seven. The guy's had a change of heart. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, I'm not sure if he's necessarily going to battle for battle against Cersei, uh, completely flip to the other side. But I wouldn't be shocked because I think he's going to kill her. I think he, he 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 may have to do so. But look, yeah, he was totally. I think once he saw the dragons and what they could do to wipe out an entire army, I think it was so deflating. And if you remember, he goes back and they're in that courtyard and he tells Cersei, "Like you haven't seen what I've seen. Yeah, this is a no-win battle." You're crazy to keep pushing it. And she basically gave him the finger and was like, screw you. You know, we're the Lannisters. We're going to win this thing. And I ain't slowing down. I ain't stopping. Even when they brokered that, you know, bringing everybody together and she lies to them and says that she's going to be, uh, you know, honoring a truce and then reveals to him that she's not. As he walks away, I'm kind of like, man, this guy is deflated. He knows that the Lannisters aren't going to win. I think he's going over to the other side, and it's and I think the whole process started when he lost his hand and befriended uh, what's her name, uh, Brienne of Tarth. I think my favorite one on one was the Viper versus the Mountain with uh, Oberyn. I, oh, I just I awesome. love that was my favorite. I love that. that. Just rooting so bad. He had him. He had him, and he just had to be cocky and dance around him, and he couldn't just put him away. Put him away, right? man. But but since he didn't put him away, it's going to lead to. One of the battles that I think I'm looking forward to the most, the Clegane Bowl. We're yes. going to get the mountain against the Hound at some yes. point. We have to get the Battle of the Brothers. The Hound has to be. He said it to him. Yep. As you mentioned, they don't say drop hints like that. He said, you know how you're going to die, brother. It's going to be me. I'm yep. coming for you. And he's going <laughs> to put him away. Well, as 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 our listeners could see, uh, we're 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 big time Game of Thrones fans. Hopefully, some of our listeners are as well. And um, and like A Rod, who uh, works with us on the sound side here, maybe we've turned on a few to uh, Game of Thrones because this uh, season eight should be pretty epic. Fun episode, Gino. Uh, let's see what uh, makes uh, you know wh- which predictions come to fruition and and which ones uh, kind of fall by the wayside because we know that'll be the case for for both of our uh, predictions uh, for one of us at least or or maybe both but either way it's a great opening day hope you guys enjoyed it thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week and we'll talk about the March Madness tournament which we didn't get to today Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.